Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports. I'm Jason Springer here with Jeff Cohen, back with you on 610 AM ESPN Radio, ready to help you move into the weekend talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, the future Phillies keep mashing. The Eagles are now 1-0, prepping to play the fighting Andy Reeds out in Kansas City. We're going to talk with Jim Furyk later on in the show, and we're going to talk a little of the Philadelphia Unity Cup. So much going on. Let's not waste any time. How are you doing this week? I'm doing good. You were doing better than you were on Sunday night after your Giants loss. I know. That was tough to watch, right? Yeah, I think Beckham's going to be a long-term problem. Yeah, and Giants fans aren't going to like that he's out there dancing while he's yeah. he's out not playing. <laughs> that, that wouldn't go over well in this <laughs> city Russell at all. Westbrook. Yeah, that wouldn't go over well in this city at all. Um, uh, if you'd like to join us, you can call in and join on the conversation, 888-728-9941. We're going to start with a little bit of Phillies, then go into Eagles and some NFL before we talk Unity Cup in the second segment and talk with golfer Jim Furyk in the third segment. So you went to a Phillies game last night. I did. And a home run derby broke out. Just in the second inning. Just in the second yeah. inning alone. It was 9 nothing after two innings. And Jorge Alfaro's home run is still has not come down. He's a monster. 459 he, feet to he, the second I, level. I was sitting behind home plate, and the ball went off of his bat and never arced at all. The, it just went straight into that Harry the K's second level area. The best part was you've seen how many home runs Zach Worley has given up in this ballpark. He didn't even the turn animal. his head. Or, he didn't even turn his no. head around. Uh-uh. He was just like, "Oh no!" <laughs> he just, it was one of those like, "Just turn around, get the ball, go again." <laughs> and, and, the, and the Marlins, as, as as you told me beforehand, that they've been on the road for so long, they're just exhausted at this point. I'm pretty sure they've had one home game, uh, that one off day. Uh, since the All-Star break, and they're not going back home because of some of the damage from the hurricane. Yeah, so they left him sitting out there to keep pitching. Like he, Each home run was as far as the next one, and you're just going, all right, come on, he's got to go out now. Well, and that, after the second home run, you're going, okay, he's definitely going out now. And then they said, oh, let's give one up to Reese Hoskins because he hasn't hit one because, in three at-bats. Because I need the opportunity to text you that he's home run. By the way, home run. Does, does Pete McKinnon seem a whole lot more relaxed with these young guys up? I think anybody would seem a whole lot more like. No, but it, I mean, he's just, not exactly Mr. So here, Sunshine. Here's the thing. I don't want to go over the top, okay? I, yeah. I told you earlier this week I'd almost prefer they not win. Like, I, I, they're going to raise expectations yeah, you, so you, high. You, you want more draft picks. I want draft picks. and I, It's baseball. Because there's no point in winning right now. Yes, there is. It, no, there isn't. Yeah, yes, there is. There, the, the reason is is because this is to find something out. I'm not saying you need to win the game. But this is helping. If you watch these guys in the dugout, they are having fun. I, if you are at, I know that the attendance has not been great, but I'm telling you, if you were there yesterday, it was a blast. Who had more fans, the Phillies or the Rams? Oh, the Phillies. <laughs> uh, and that's not hard. There was nobody at the Rams game. Yeah, the, the people were just the vendors walking around looking for somebody to sell peanuts hey, to. Hey, anybody wants a food yeah. but, football but, game going on here? But you ha- now have all of these young guys, and they're shuffling them around, trying to figure out who's going to play where. And they're, they just seem to be having a great time. Which is what I wanted. Yeah. I wanted young players to come up. You see what you have. You get some enthusiasm. We've talked a little bit about how they're looking for a little, you know, the Sixers called it optionality in terms of moving Franco over to first and seeing what his value is in another position. 
moving some other players around. I would prefer they keep Hoskins at first and just let him keep focusing on hitting home runs because Be- because I, because he's he's not hitting him when he's in the outfield. Look, I, I'm the first one. To I just say, don't want anything to distract him. M- I remember him- before he came up, that was my big concern, and he proved me wrong because he's mashing the ball no matter where you put him. I don't think it's realistic to keep up an 81 home run pace. Let's just put that out there right, right now. The thing that I like is his plate discipline. Yeah, T- work 26 walks. Only 27 strikeouts. For a rookie, he's not searching for the home run. He's not overhitting out of his shoes. There is, but that's that's the whole... If you look at the youth of the team, the guys that have come up in the last month, they all seem to have better plate discipline than the guys that were here. They take more pitches now than they have in a long time as a Philadelphia team. Yeah, that, so, that so what happens when that happens? You, pitchers you, out early, you're you into pitchers the Pitchers out early, but you're, no, but you're getting the pitch that you want. You wait for that pitch, and then you hammer it. Mm-hmm. And these guys seem to have the discipline to do that, and then it helps the guy behind them, and then the guy behind them. And, and there's a guy in the minors named Dusty Wathen who has followed this group of players up. That when they get promoted... As he their seems, coach. Yeah, as their manager. And, and I think that it, it that it reflects on him in a, in a really good way to the point that if, uh, if McKinnon ever decided to step down or the Phillies decided to go in a different direction, he is the natural choice to be the next manager of this team. He's, he's done that well with this group of guys. And who knows if they're all going to work out, but you now have a core of a bunch of guys. If, if, I, if I had to do it tomorrow, who would I have as my starting team for next year? You, right now you have Herrera in center, as frustrating as he can be. He can drive a, you nuts. Well, he can, but you know what? There's only one guy in the major leagues that has a higher batting average. He's got more doubles. Of, than, I mean, he's, he's yeah, well, double in his machine. Name. Yeah. But, but oh, God. <laughs> that was so bad. It was bad. I hope our listeners didn't get sick yeah. and turn the station or, on that or one. Or crash after that. That was terrible. Yeah. Hey, stop. So, so, but there's only one guy in the major leagues that has a better batting average than him since June 1st, and that's Altuve, who's going to be the MVP of the American League. Well, and again, you don't want to go overboard, but if you look at it, most, well, we R- most RBIs in their first 34 games since 1920. Reese Hoskins yeah. is above Albert Pujols, Ted Williams, and Joe DiMaggio. You look at two strike home runs this year. Again, the the home run he hit last night, he was down 0-2 in the count. Launches it over to Wall. He's got 10. Giancarlo Stanton has 9. He, Hoskins hit his 18th home run in his 34th game. It's the fewest games needed for 20 for twenty career home runs is 51. Hoskins needs two home runs in his last 16 games to break that record. And if he does, mm-hmm. he would take the team lead. The team lead right now is yeah. the guy on the bench, Tommy Joseph, at 21. Yeah. He's got, what, 16 games left to do 16 that? 16 games. And it's not unrealistic to say you can get three home runs in 16 games when the other guy isn't playing games. Franco's next at 20. So he's doing something that we haven't seen. Again, I don't think this can continue, and I don't need it to. No, but how much? But it's fun. It, it is. It, it's kept some focus on this team to the point that, when we were we were watching when Hoskins comes up to the plate, the entire Phillies dugout comes up and stands yes, on the rail. Stands on the rail. It, it's incredible to watch because even his peers, you know, they, they, Nick Williams called him an alien. Yes, he did. And it, now his his uh, own teammates are getting his autograph. Yeah. When and, it and the manager and the managers. Yeah. So I got a text message from a friend listening who says winning breeds confidence. 
uh, and breeds more winning. Um, forget the draft picks in a not so as nice way for the radio. <laughs> so he disagrees with me that the or they don't need to win me. came from somebody else. Mm -hmm. So people can take that as it is. I like seeing them win. I don't find it necessary. I don't care whether they lose 100 games at this point. I care that the future of the team is starting to play in a way that makes it look like there is a future for the team. And now. that's what you can see. You can see a future. And again, you don't know if it's all going to work out, but this is how that group of Phillies started years ago, is they all came up together and had fun together. And Ryan Howard was the masher, just like you hope Hoskins is. And you had second base, and now you have somebody like Crawford who can play third or second base. You still have a guy named Kingery who nobody's seen yet. Well, that's the thing. I mean, Dylan Cousins is still down yeah. in the minors. Well, Kingery's down in the minors. There are still players and names down there to come up, who knows how they'll fit into what's here. I asked you before the show, what do you do at pitching? Because that's ultimately, I, I don't know, Nola's been better than anybody expected this year. I still think you're better if he's your number two and you have a number mm -hmm. one. What would you do if you were the general manager? I would, well, I would trade some of these guys in the offseason because you have this logjam at almost every position now, which is a better thing to have than not. Good have. problem to have. Right. But, but here's where people may get frustrated. The Phillies may stay the course and not go big money on pitching this offseason because there are got there's a whole crop of these young pitchers that are two years behind. So you may have to, next year is not going to be the year to make the playoffs, and you don't want to trade all of these young arms. I mean, they have, they have Sixto Sanchez who throws 102 miles an hour, and he's he looks like he weighs about 160 pounds will, and shouldn't be able to throw will that. Will Philadelphia ball. fans listen to, once again, next year is not the year to make the playoffs? With what they are seeing on the field right I, now. After watching what's going on with the Sixers? Maybe. Because the Sixers have sold, basically sold out their season on the promise that the Sixers are going to be better with no real promise they're going to make the playoffs. It they're is, certainly not going to contend for anything. It is a pretty fun time, though. I mean, look, I, we, I've talked on the show. I've got a seven-and-a-half-month-old son, and right yeah. now, hopefully, I'm seeing some of the players on these teams that I'm going to be watching with him for years. Wentz at quarterback for the Eagles, and Hoskins and some of these young players for the Phillies, and Embiid and Simmons for the Sixers, and, and, and the young Flyers. Like, this is the next crop of players that are going to be the guys in the city and it's coming up at a time after people have gone through a struggle and been so frustrated that, you know, do you do you appreciate it more or are you just more patient as it continues to grow? No, I think like you do. I think you do appreciate it more. I, th I think that that's that's part of it. It takes a long time to do it the right way. And and I think people appreciate that after they saw what you know, how the Phillies built. But it's getting frustrating. It, it, you, you can't go decades without winning something in a city that's this large well we are we are not a, a middle market team or a small market team city no and, P, and, and the owners have to treat it like we're a big market team and spend the money but do it wisely and they have the money to spend so right. as a fan you have to hope that they will before the we phillies move, have n almost nobody on the books they like three people under right. contract oh double yeah it's it's crazy mm -hmm. how little they have tied up and, and and for people when you check the lineup for tonight Look at the ages of the starting players. They're all under line. 25, right? They're all kids. It's amazing. That's what you want. It's the future of the team. Meanwhile, uh, Cleveland hasn't lost since like the All-Star break, right? <laughs> what are they at, 22 wins 22 now? 22 wins. Can you imagine 22 wins in a row? 
that the question is, is that the greatest streak of all time in any sport? I'm so bad at those things. I, I know it in, because in, you ha- you have the Dolphins who went through a whole season, including a Super Bowl, and didn't lose a game. But football is a little different. Basketball I take out of the equation because there's so many bad teams and then a couple good teams. What the what they're doing is every night you have a different starting group because the starting pitcher is different every night. Uh-huh. They've gone more than four times through the rotation without anybody losing a game. It is pretty amazing. And they're dominating. I mean, except for and, and then last night it looked like the the streak was finally going to get wanted broken. They extras, right? Well, two outs, two strikes, guy on second and Lin, Lindor hits a double off the wall to tie it and then they won in the in the 10th inning. Yeah. I, I mean, now it's it's that's must be must see baseball. If you're a baseball fan, separate from being a Phillies fan, this becomes a fun time of year because yeah. you know wild card starts to come into play and playoffs, and you know it's that type of ball that you like to see the excitement, the buzz in the stadium. I just wish the Phillies. We were. we want that right. back. I mean, mm-hmm. I remember in eight and nine going to games and the buzz that was in that ballpark, and you're starting to get that buzz around some of these young players. I can't tell you how many people say, like, I pay attention to when Reese Hoskins is up now. You know, they weren't paying attention to the Phillies, but they watch to see when he's coming to the plate to see what he's going to do Just next. like when Ryan Howard was here. It, uh, it, was, it, it becomes can't-miss TV. Now, you did give me a hard time because I texted you the other day about a home run, and you said that your son said it took me 50 seconds to let you know that it was yeah, a home we, run, we, and you were disappointed. We, 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 we now wait. So when Reese Hoskins hits a home run, we now start the clock to see how long it's going to be before your man crush appears across my screen. Is my fanboy status starting to like make your family laugh? Start? We were laughing from the second. I mean, you, you guys have it. laughed at me since before we did the show together, but yeah, but but you you've had this man crush since before you knew what he looked like. At least I can say that I was a fan <laughs> when. Like, it's not like I'm I'm come lately to this. No, you 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 were early on this I, one. I I've been asking yeah, for this one. For I think a while. you were driving that bandwagon, and I couldn't have, have thought it would happen like nobody could. But there is nobody that could have seen this coming. But it is fun to see. Okay, let's move on to the Eagles a little bit. Uh, speaking of bandwagons, you got yeah. the Wentz wagon. Mm-hmm. Um, Eagles are you one and zero. You know, last week you had that shirt on. I did. I had yeah. the shirt on last week. This week I've got my throwback. Uh, Ron Jaworski shirt on. Uh-huh. It's always wearing some some type of fun past Philly shirt somewhere. <laughs> uh, you watched the game last week? I did. What did you think? You were texting me a little bit. So give me your your overall thoughts. We'll break down the good and the bad and see what we thought. I, I, I think that the offense is going to struggle until they get their mind around running the ball better and more. You have to be consistent with your run. And if you're not consistent and you're not committed to it, which I don't think they were last week, you're going to have a hard time in the passing game and it's going to make it harder for Wentz. So we'll put that on the bad. Yeah. Okay. Did you have well, anything I don't think, on the no, good? I, I don't think it was all bad. I just think that that Peterson needs to find balance. He can't be Andy Reid and just keep passing and passing and passing the ball because he's going to take a young quarterback and he's going to destroy him. him. Look, look at Andrew that, Luck. That was the thing. I know they won. Wentz is taking way too many hits. He's yeah. under too much pressure. I don't care that he had that great throw to Aguilar. Great throw, way to get out of it. He's almost getting killed in the grasp of these players. Yeah, and he's not Ben Roethlisberger. He no. Can't, he can't take that kind of pounding. I'm a little worried that Jason Peters... has got hurt early in right. the game. Now he's practiced all week. They say he's going to play. But this is some of what you had last year. When you don't have that stability on the offensive line, you can't get that continuity for a run game. Mm-hmm. You have to keep your tight ends in the block because you don't have the offensive line there. Taking Ertz out as a weapon, who's not a good blocker to begin with. You have to keep in another blocking tight end. Right. Okay. So 
the Eagles have as many road wins now this season after last week as they had all of last season. <laughs> so is that good or bad? Who cares? It, it, last it season means nothing. wasn't very good. Nothing. I'm, I'm master of stats that mean nothing. Yeah. So under a lot of pressure, Wentz went 26 for 39 for 307 yards. Probably the biggest surprise was That's Ag- a good stat. Probably the biggest surprise yeah. was Aguilar with six catches, mm-hmm. um, had the touchdown on the 50-yard bomb that... Again, Wentz was under way too much pressure, but you like his escapability. It's good to see. Ertz came up big with a few catches. He had 93 yards, yeah. no drops. For like that's what you look for at this point in the game. Well, I, that's what that's what a young quarterback needs. He needs to be able to be confident that he's going to be able to throw the ball in tight spaces and that people are going to catch them instead of it bouncing off their hand and being an interception. The defensive line looked really good. They 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 are well good. With, yeah. With Fletcher Cox, got a couple of it's, fumbles. It's the defensive backfield that's the problem. And it didn't get any better with Ronald Darby going down to a very ugly yeah, injury. That was rough. Thankfully, it's only a four to six week injury, they say. You hope. Uh, of a dislocated ankle. Uh, they say no ligament damage. It did not look pretty uh, <laughs> at all. Uh, and so you have to hope that he comes back. Uh, Jalen Mills played a good game in his absence. He came up with the interception towards the end of the game when Washington was driving. But again, if I'm looking at the bad, Eagles draft picks. The Eagles didn't dress their third round, fourth round, and sixth round picks. Their second round pick is on IR. The fourth rounder that wasn't drafted is now on IR and Donnell Pumphrey. You know, they're going to have to now put Douglas on the team, their third round pick, who wasn't active last week because of the depth issues with Darby. It's just, you know, you see around the league, they say this was the deepest running back class. We have running back issues, and then you see these players not playing. So there is the good and the bad. I, you know, I and there, and there were a lot of running backs taken in later rounds that at least made a good first impression. Yes. Um, can I make a request? What's that? Could the backwards pass to Nelson Aguilar be taken out of the playbook? <laughs> I understand it wasn't supposed to go that far back. Aguilar got too deep. I get that Wentz threw it too high. I understand that Torrey Smith got run around and the block was blown up. And, you know, he, he said, uh, uh, you know, what am I doing, man? Uh, come on, man. When he didn't dive on the ball, he criticized himself for that. I get it. Why are you doing that play? I don't know. I don't know. You know, that, that play worked like three years ago a lot. It doesn't work that often. It does now. not work. They're it, too it's fast. It's almost always a loss. They are too fast in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I get it. It's a it's an alternate run game because you're trying to set up the screen and blockers. But... You're not giving people a chance to develop. You had momentum in the game. All of a sudden, there's this turnover, return for a touchdown, and now all of a sudden, there's there's momentum on the other side. So that leads to this question. Are you worried about Doug Peterson as a coach and the way he calls a game? I have no choice but to put faith in it, but no, I've been worried you, since no, the start. You, you, I've been worried since the start. I, don't, I happen to not like a head coach calling a game. I, I like my head coach in general to be a head coach. Right. I know that's not the way of the NFL right now. They all put their head down in a like a menu play sheet that's huge. I, I, it's just not what I'd prefer to see. I'd like a coach who's watching all the elements and into the game. I think Doug gets too creative for himself. You know, he wants to use some of his shiny toys at times when you don't need to take out a new toy. Just play with the toy that's working. It, you, I I just don't know. I don't see the creativity that you see. I, I see a problem because, you know... I didn't say you, creativity. I said he likes to play with new toys. Okay. I, I didn't well, say they were creative. Uh, in fact, if he likes to I, play I think with that new it's toys. predictable. Yeah, but if he if he likes to play with new toys, LeGarrette Blunt was one of the new toys. 
What did he do with him? I don't think he knows how to use LeGarrette Plunk. He does not run the ball well, but, that way. That, that was my complaint. He's years an ago. offensive, a past offensive coordinator. He is. You, you can't say I don't know what to do with him. This is we, we know what Blunt can do in the NFL. Look, Smallwood can, can put block, his head down and he can go straight. Smallwood can't block well enough. Right. Okay. He almost. Oh, uh, he he got. There were a couple times where he I just mean, got he blown just up. Looked silly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're not giving the ball to Blunt in a way. He wears down teams. You have to keep giving it to him. He, he gets, didn't do that. No, not well, at all. He moved away from it, and that's what Doug does. He gets pass happy. I was not surprised in the least at how many passes. I told you, I still think the Eagles are going to have 35 to 40 passes a game because that's what Doug does. Yeah, but here's the problem. You have a you have a defensive backfield that is is bare bones at best. Okay, It, it just lost another player. So what's the best way to help the defense keep the offense on the field. Well, how do you keep the offense on the field? Pound the ball. Doug doesn't do that. Well, okay, so then then you're going to have shootouts, and guess what? You're not going to win those. Well, I didn't say it was good. Yeah. Again, I, I mean, that that would be my, fr- that's my the, frustration. I'm Doug dealing with Peterson the reality. needs to learn. The best coaches aren't the ones that have their own system and stick to it. The best coaches are the ones that say, this is, the t- as you put it, the toys that I have. I'm going to play with these toys and use their strengths to develop a scheme. And and what I saw week one was the opposite of that, is that you knew going into the season there's not a single person that didn't know the defense was a concern because of the defensive backfield. So you have to keep the defense off the field. You have to keep them fresh. And you're not doing it by passing and doing passes behind the line and doing all your little fancy stuff. Because there's a lot of three and outs when that happens. And in the meantime, you are not wearing down their defense at all. Completely agree. Okay, we're on to week two. Mm-hmm. So last week, you and I made our picks. I never claimed they would be good. Somehow we both ended up at nine and five. Are you satisfied with that? I'll take that any week. Yeah, we both didn't do too yeah. well on some of the games. All right, this week, we're going to start with Philly at KC. KC. Yeah, uh, you know, you'd like to p- take Philly, but the, the way that KC played last week. Okay, so I'm more, I'm oddly more confident in Philly now than I was before the season started. Yeah, um, I could see a little bit of a letdown for KC off that big win in New England, and the win they it's were down, home, they though. were down twenty seven twenty one heading to the fourth quarter. It's at home, so it wasn't a blowout until later in the game. Right. So I think people look at the final score and say this is an unbeatable team. In fact. Eric Berry's out, and you tell me after you get past Patrick Peters, who are you concerned about in their secondary? And, and so I think there's going to be opportunities for the Eagles. I worry about the Eagles' secondary. Who's going to cover Tariq Hill? Or, or, uh, I have no idea. I, I mean, that's the, you know, what do you do there? So I, I think KC will win the game, but I actually feel better about the Eagles going into it than I thought I would. Cleveland at Baltimore. The Baltimore moral victory, huh? Baltimore giving eight. I yeah. find no moral victories. Baltimore <laughs> giving eight. They won 20 to nothing last week over Cincinnati. Didn't see that one coming. Well, here's what we learned, though, from last night. Cincinnati stinks. It's terrible. Stinks. The, they stink out loud. Do you realize <laughs> the, the guy who scored the last touchdown for the Bengals is playing on another team? I'm not surprised because they that. haven't scored a touchdown this in season, either game. They fired their offensive coordinator today. I think this to, is Marvin Lewis is finally going to go bye bye. There's no way he survives. So this the season. challenge for me is that AJ Green's on my fantasy team. So I really need their their <laughs> offense to get it under control. Good Cleveland luck. at Baltimore. Baltimore giving up eight. 
Baltimore. All right, so we both have the Ravens. Yeah. Arizona at Indy. Indy getting seven. Jacoby Brissett starting for the Indianapolis Colts. I say he's going to do pretty well. You think Indy's going to win this game? I do. Um, I think Arizona has some concerns with David Johnson out with the injury, but I'm going to pick Arizona because I just can't see Indianapolis. And by the way, last week I picked when we did our Eagles season. I picked the Eagles to lose to the Cardinals. Now you David Johnson your mind. out. The Cardinals are going to stink this year. David Johnson's an MVP candidate when he's healthy. New England at New Orleans. New Orleans getting six and a half. Patriots aren't losing two in a row. Yeah, I think the Patriots are going to come in angry. Uh, we'll see what happens in that <laughs> game, but I wouldn't want to be Drew Brees there. And by the way, is it, is it, what's the over-under on how long it's going to take for Adrian Peterson to complain in this game? Man, he was yelling at the coach, got what, nine carries. What was he said, thinking? He said he didn't go to New Orleans to get nine carries. I don't know what he thought he was going to get. They, they don't already run the had ball. running backs. They have Pierre Thomas. They don't run the ball anyway. I, well, they have Mark Ingram. I don't know what he thought was going to happen there differently. Yeah. Tennessee at Jacksonville. Jacksonville getting a point and a half. Titans. We're both taking Tennessee, yeah. who lost last uh, week. We, we, we have to set a rule. You can't talk about Jacksonville for more than three seconds. So, but they won move. last week. They, we both had that pick wrong. Uh, even people in Jacksonville don't care. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Minnesota at Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh giving up six. Sam Bradford played probably one of his better games in his NFL career and last week. God and now hurt. this week has a sore knee. Yeah. So which surprises nobody. nobody. Who are you taking? Pittsburgh. All right. I got, Stillers. I got Pittsburgh too. Buffalo at Carolina. Carolina given seven. Carolina. I'm taking Carolina by default, but Buffalo played better than I thought. But again, they were playing the Jets. Yes. So you don't really know how, how real that That's was. Like, so this week is really them starting their you'll, season. You'll see what they really are at this point. Chicago at Tampa Bay. Bucks given seven. Bucks. I'm taking the Bears just because we need to have different picks in some places. You would think I would take them because they got a guy named Cohen. T Tariq Cohen right there. He had a good game. I was able to pick him up in a couple fantasy leagues too. <laughs> <laughs> the Jets at Oakland. Oakland giving 13 and a half. Do we have to pick this? I mean, it's obvious. Do you okay? Let's ask this. Do you think that Oakland covers the spread? That's a big yes. line, thirteen and a half. Yes. Okay. Oh, it's not. A, I, I would. I would give a spread of twenty-five, and they'll cover. That. Okay, so I got yeah. Oakland as well. Miami at the Chargers. But by, by the way, when you wrote this out and put LAC, I could not figure out who it was. Yeah, you I wasn't were trying about. to confuse you. I'm like, who? who I was are just they trying to about? save space. I know it's this whole. It, they're the San Diego Chargers. So do you think that San the, Diego wins? Do you think that the Chargers will have more people at their game this week than the Rams had at their game last week? You, you know the the stadium the Rams play in holds ninety plus thousand. It had seventy eight thousand the night before for USC, yeah. and they announced that they distributed in air quotes sixty thousand tickets yeah, for the game. What does that Sunday. mean? Did they go out with a van means, and just throw them up it in means the air? That they got rid of the tickets and none of them showed because if there were thirty thousand people in that stadium, it was an overestimate. But, but where did they distribute them? Did they? Use them for like confetti for something else. I have no idea. Washington at the Rams. Rams given two and a half. We Rams. got Rams. All right. Well, Aaron Donald's back this week. I'm gonna take Washington because I think they're gonna be desperate after losing to the Eagles this last week. Not that I think that they're a very good team this year. Dallas at Denver. Denver get uh, given to Denver. I uh, got Denver also. San Francisco at Seattle. Seattle giving thirteen and a half as well. They will cover that. I think Green at Bay. Seattle. I think Green Bay spoils the Atlanta opening of their new stadium, which looks magnificent. 
why is it that they keep advertising or marketing that their hot dogs are going to be cheaper than any place Because else? they can't market Who the cares? Chick-fil-A because it's not open on Sunday. On Sunday. Do you see they have a rotating sign? Yeah, so yeah. that's a challenge for them. Detroit at your Giants on Monday night. Giants. Oh, you're going with them? You yeah. think Beckham plays? The, the dancing Giants. All right, I'm taking Detroit. And with that, we're going to head to a break. Stick with us, and when we come back, we'll talk a little Philly Unity Cup. Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.NewJerseyShares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon Residential Landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Let me tell you, buying or selling a home is a life-changing decision. Whether you're looking for your first home or searching for your forever home, Ann Coons is the realtor you need. In fact, she helped my wife and I settle into our forever home. With over 30 years helping satisfied clients buy and sell homes in the Delaware Valley, Ann Coons will give you the professional and reliable service you deserve. When it's time to buy or sell a home in South Jersey or Philadelphia, contact Ann Coons, the only name you need to know in real estate. You can call Ann Coons today at 856-795-4709. Again, that's 856-795-4709. Or learn more on the web at www.annkoonsrealestate.com. the second annual Philadelphia International Unity Cup is underway, and we are thrilled to be joined in studio again this year by Unity Cup Director Bill Salvatore and City Representative Sheila Hess. It's great to have you both back. It's so good to see the success that you had last year being built on this year. How are you doing? Doing great. Hi, Jason. How Thanks are you? Back. Oh, we we're glad that it went so well that you guys decided to keep it going and, and wanted to join us again. So, so tell us about it. It's, it's back. It's bigger. It's better. It's better. Tell tell us what's going on, Bill. Bigger and better than last year. That's for sure. Yeah, you, last year you had thirty-two teams. What what's the field look like this year? Uh, Forty-eight teams this year. Forty-eight teams. Wow. And, and there was something that I thought was cool. Actually, you got the idea, I guess, from the Olympics of a team of refugees. You want to tell us about that a yeah, little bit? Yeah, exactly. There was a, a refugee team in the Olympics and. They participated in six events, <clears throat> so the National Services Center in Philadelphia wanted to piggyback off that idea, and they put a refugee team together. So this is a tournament that the the mayor and the city are, are real proud of. I, I've seen it called one of Mayor Kenny's signature initiatives. Can you talk a little bit about the commitment that the city has to the tournament and what it means to have it back again this year? Sure. Well, Jason, ironically, today kicks off welcoming week for the city of Philadelphia that we are doing, um, and so we are thrilled that... The commitment is something that we are really extremely proud of that we've embraced with all of the cultural communities that are here in the city of Philadelphia. I guess in this climate that we have, it's, it's even more important to, you know, we talked about last year, it celebrates the diversity of, of this city. And uh, now you have the opportunity to bring all these commu- communities together to learn about each other's cultures really get a better understanding through sports. And, and Jeff and I talk regularly about how sports is sort of the ultimate equalizer. You know, everybody, it doesn't matter what language you speak, you can still kick the ball. 
And so well, some of us can. Well, yeah, I, it's still cheer. It's I'm, I'm afraid to do. Right. I'm afraid to do anything at this mm. point because it may not go very well. But w- why don't you tell us about what you saw last year, what what you've decided to do different this year, and how things are going? Uh, so no, no major changes other than the expansion of teams and the change of the final location. Okay, and which, that's last year. We were excited. It was going to be the first soccer game held at Citizens Bank Park. What uh, stadium couldn't hold you guys anymore? <laughs> Had to go someplace bigger? Just that would be nice. So, so where are you now, headed uh, to this year? The Phillies are going to re-turf this year. Okay. So we had to look for another venue. And you found we went one? went across the street and we, we worked it out. So people Across are, the street is in Lincoln Financial Field. Yes. So people yes. are going to play on the same field that the Eagles play on, that the men's national team plays on. It's really an exciting opportunity for members of the city to, to come in and experience something that, that you don't really normally get to have. It's absolutely incredible. Um. All the games are open to the public. Can you tell people how they find information if they want to go leading up to the final? We obviously talked about the final game, but but there's games going around the city now. Yeah, so we have a website, unitycup.phila.gov. Uh, everything's on there, you can imagine, from the schedule, the team profiles. And then we're large on social media. So not only can you get the weekend schedule on social media, but I'm writing game previews. So you can read a preview and say, hey, I think Ukraine and Ghana is a game I want to see this week. So you're going to make it seem like I know what I'm talking about when I talk to Jeff? Exactly. I'm going to text him and tell him about the, the midfielder for Ghana, that, that and he's going to be like, really? Yeah, you, you got no shot. I mean, he already knows that I watch preseason games and stuff, so he questions me. Yeah, anyway. and he watches them on tape. Absolutely. Which is, which is we, amazing. We, we know I have issues. But, we'll go back to the but, games. But I do have a question. For, for people that haven't aren't familiar with the Unity Cup, how do you select the teams? How are the teams put together? So it's really dependent upon the community. So it could be a team that comes together just for the cup. So the Jamaican community, there's a, a, a community leader who puts a team together. A lot of the African nations, like Liberia, Ivory Coast, they already have a team established. They're playing in cups all across the country. And then a team like Mexico, the consulate's office put it together. So it's really a hodgepodge of how they come together. Yeah, but th- I mean, for you, this must have been a ton of work. I mean, h- how do you get it out there to people that, hey, by the way, we're going to have this this, so- this huge soccer tournament, and, and as part of this, we're going to have all of these countries represented, in, and you need to find in your communities people that are that have some familiarity with those countries. Yeah. Well, we're really lucky because we have an Office of Immigrant Affairs mm-hmm. who does all types of amazing outreach within the city and within all these communities. So they put a call out uh, for interest meetings, and we did three or four interest meetings in January, February, and March. And, I mean, it was insane the amount of people to come out to these things. I think the first meeting we had, we had 90 countries represented. Wow. You you mentioned um, the team from Mexico being picked by the consulate. I was interested to find out that there's a block party before the Mexico-Ireland game. Yeah. So tell me how I can go find a party. Exactly, Jason. Um, So we are thrilled that we're going to be hosting the inaugural international block party. And again, during welcoming week, it is going to be held next Saturday, which is September 23rd. And uh, from four to eight, it's going to be held in South Philadelphia at 13th and Oregon, 13th and Oregon. And it's right down the street where the actual game will take place at 830. When that's the the really exciting game we have ireland versus mexico there'll be a little bit of uh rivalry there's going to be so many fans it's going to be incredible but with the block party we decided let's really get people together prior to the game 
Let's bring this excitement and the cultures together and have some fun and celebrate Welcoming Week. So we're going to have uh, parks on tap. We're going to have a beer garden. We're going to have entertainment. We're going to have um, arts and crafts, and arts will be provided by the Mural Arts Program for the children. We're going to have some interactive games as well for all ages to play. We're going to have musical performances, dance performances. So it truly will be a block party and food. So from 4 to 8 in South Philly at 13th and Oregon on Saturday, September 23rd, it's free. It's going to be that family-friendly event. Yeah. Well, the beer and the food's not free, yeah, but... Yeah, that's what I was waiting for. <laughs> that's why I bring Jeff. Uh-huh. I bring yeah. Jeff, then I'm good. So I just had to emphasize and retract that. But the rest of the actual activities are free for the family and the kids to participate. Yeah, because what I'm thinking is at the beer garden, it's going to be Guinness versus... Corona. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah you have something going on. Uh-huh. Definitely another competition. And then that sort of gets expanded on before the final with the Parade of Nations and the tailgate that goes on there. Can you you tell our listeners who aren't familiar what that event is like and, and what that intends to celebrate? Yeah, we're going to change it up a little bit, but uh, the championship is November 11th. It's uh-huh. a Saturday at Lincoln Financial Field. Um, we're going to be doing a naturalization ceremony, and that is something that is extremely special to the community and the folks that will be able to be part of that naturalization ceremony on the field prior to the game Um, But as far as like the tailgate before, we're going to change it up and not really have like that outside. We're going to do some different things inside that'll be more that cultural experience. We got a lot of a lot of really good feedback that we should have a third place game. Okay, so So we're gonna have a third place. So it'll be a so there's more to celebrate down at the finals. It it makes for a fun day though for people to come in, and again that's free as well. They can just come down. Link parking free as well. Everything's free. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking for an opportunity to take your kids out, you know they they want to see something on a on a Saturday. Rain or shine too. Rain or shine. (laughs) You go into a professional stadium and and get to to see see the the big league stadium with the the tournament going on at, at no cost. It's pretty good. I think it's a great thing. I mean, we all come from somewhere different. And, and to be able to have teams from all these different countries and be able to celebrate And they're all this. from Philly now. Yeah. It's really exciting to see that. So, last last so, year when we talked, I, I called it the, the quilt of diversity. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's something that, that to me, it's important to celebrate where you came from and who you are. You know, we all are, you know, working in the city together. But at the same time, everybody comes from someplace, like Jeff said. And, and here's your opportunity to celebrate who you are, your family, your culture, everything like that. Yeah, I mean, it, this it, it's it's a great event, and, and this week it just seems it, it worked out well for us as yep. a show because we're talking about the Unity Cup and the diversity there, and then we're going to have Jim Furyk on later, and he's going to be talking about the President's Cup, which is the United right. States versus the world. So uh, it, we're, we're just on tournament watch this week. Yeah. It's, it's exciting for us. Let's talk a little bit. You, you have a lot of corporate sponsors, too, for this uh, effort. I know uh, Goya is one of the, the big-name sponsors, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm sure you appreciate your involvement with them. If people want to get involved and support this effort, how can they do that? Yeah, you just contact us through the website. There's a link to email us. It's phlunitycup at philo.gov. And we are looking for all new sponsors to get on board as well. So we do have some incredible partners that have stepped up after last year. Um, And the mayor is willing to expand it even furthermore. So if any large, small, middle-sized donation would be greatly appreciated to be part of this incredible experience to showcase the authenticity of the city of Philadelphia. How how many volunteers do you have to have for this event with all of those so Different last year games. we had about 150 mm-hmm. help us along the tournament. 
And it's really important at the games because you want to keep the flow of the game going. So we station like four volunteers on each sideline to just shag stray soccer balls. Okay. And they kind of keep the crowd back. Um, and it makes a big difference because the players are happy to see a ball right on the sideline ready to go. And so that means very professional into the parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> Can you, uh, first of all, will you come back and, and tell us as we get closer, maybe we'll have the mayor back on and see how everything's going and, and, and continue to publicize the efforts. But we're not going to be the only radio station that you're on. The finals, people will be able to hear it as well, right? Yeah. KYW 1060 came through for us big time. <laughs> You've just taken over the airwaves, and, and now now people can find you, whether they come down or they go out on the radio, whatever yeah. they want to do. Yeah, yeah. that and uh, 6 ABC has been a, a partner where they're going to be broadcasting the game live on the internet yeah, as well. So you game. can live stream in the countries that are playing here. Can They can see it back home for their families to oh, watch wow. and participate. Yeah, we, we learned last year, yeah. it's interesting, I saw a bunch of teams with their phones up and I was kind of like peeking over their shoulders and they're on Facebook live. So I grabbed uh, one of the Honduran coaches who I'm, I'm buddies with. And I said, Hey, Abner, I said, what's, what's with the Facebook live? He said, tell people back home, see us. You don't even really think about that when you're planning the event. That's the benefit of year mm -hmm. two yep. is that you were able to see and learn new things and, and realize that there's an audience larger than the city right. that's interested in, in what you're doing here. So it's great that you have that opportunity to get in front of a larger audience. And now other cities are actually contacting the mayor's office to see how their city can kind of replicate what we're doing now because it's become a successful model. Which was your hope last year and when you started And that was our it. hope. And now, yeah, um, you know, they're they're customizing it based. Uh, they don't have 48 countries to right. participate and stuff like that. So they're starting small scale, but it's just the concept that they're trying to embrace well, we really appreciate you coming in to talk about it. We, we can't wait to see how it moves forward. We'll absolutely share the information about how people can keep up with it on our website and on and our sponsor. social media pages. <laughs> Great. Certainly welcome anybody to contact them, the sponsor, and we'll definitely talk more about it as the final gets closer. And we'll see you either a Saturday or a Sunday, right? That's out it. on the That's one it. of the fields. Sounds good to us. We look absolutely. forward to it. We, we, 72 awesome. games left. You got to get out. <laughs> we'll, we'll make sure to get the schedule from you and we'll get out to, to a couple of them. Oh, okay. We'd love to see you. Thanks so much. We really appreciate you coming right. on. Thanks, Thank Jason. You. Thanks, Thank you. Jeff. Take Bye -bye. care, guys. Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.NewJerseyShares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon Residential Landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Let me tell you, buying or selling a home is a life-changing decision. Whether you're looking for your first home or searching for your forever home, Ann Coons is the realtor you need. In fact, she helped my wife and I settle into our forever home. With over 30 years helping satisfied clients buy and sell homes in the Delaware Valley, Ann Coons will give you the professional and reliable service you deserve. When it's time to buy or sell a home in South Jersey or Philadelphia, contact Ann Coons, the only name you need to know in real estate. You can call Ann Coons today at 856-795-4709. Again, that's 856-795-4709. Or learn more on the web at www.annkoonsrealestate.com. 
is the heart of sports. I'm Jason Springer along with Jeff Cohen. So, Jeff, you going to make it down to some Unity Cup games? I am. It, it looks like a lot of fun. I mean, I don't know how you could not. It's free, right? It's except, that's except my for favorite, the beer. It's my favorite price. Right. Except I, for, but, can't beat it. But it just those kind of events, it's just like kind of college events. People are invested in that. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's the kind of event that could get real loud and a lot of fun. The, the crowds are definitely going to be fun, and we, we're glad to bring them back. They they came last year when they were starting with this idea and concept, and, and it seems to be moving forward and growing. Okay, mm-hmm. last season I had a complaint about the Sixers' doctors. Yeah. They've got a new doctor. Because you complained? I, must be. Wow. They mu- I have that power. Didn't mm-hmm. you know that? No. I'm just that influential that I say something. And, no, not at all. Nobody uh, really even listens to, I to, roll. What, I, to what I have to yeah. say. But uh, they do have a new doctor who was the team doctor for FC Barcelona. Um, is that an admission that some of the stuff in the past hasn't been handled as no. well as possible? No, because I, I mean, look, you can't blame the doctors. You don't know what they were doing behind the scene. You, you don't know that the doctor didn't say that Embiid can't play for months and that it was just the Sixers marketing who said, we want to make sure that we can get people to come down. You, you don't know. You concerned at all that he's not cleared yet? No. No. Has he been dancing? No, he's not Odell Beckham. Okay, so then he's fine. He did is in the he past. Bo- is he bowling? I don't know. Come on, don't remind me of Andrew <laughs> Bynum, please. Though Andrew Bynum was the start to this all. Do you remember how excited people got? When yeah, they he had came? the big event at the Constitution Center. Yep. And, and then uh, what happened? He went bowling. He went bowling, yeah. and he, ne- he never played again. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't very good. Okay, Flyers started training camp. Yes. Are you more excited? What are you most excited about right now in Philadelphia sports? You've Prob- got well. I mean, you're a baseball fan, yeah. so is it the young Phillies yes. for you that that's yeah. doing it? So, but what, it's almost over. If, if I, mean, I take the Phillies out of it, I know mm-hmm. you're you're going to a lot of Sixers, Sixers games this year. So you're six. Well, you're not an Eagles fan, so I can't ask you about that. Right. I ne- I need to ask somebody who is a, a, a Eagles fan how they rank some of the other teams right now, because I I think that. There's this undercurrent of Sixers excitement and a hesitation among Eagles did, fans. Did you ever notice that that Eagles fans seem to get excited by when their coach is exciting? Yes. Well, Doug Peterson doesn't bring out that. Stop ripping yeah. on Dougie P. I'm, what? Why, right, why don't you bring on? We, we've got somebody who's got some real skill to come and talk with us on the show, and, and he can tell me how bad my golf game is, too. Well, uh, Jim, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, uh, thanks for joining us, Jim. So, so we're being we're being joined by Jim Furyk, pro golfer, and uh, I wanted to start by asking you a question. So, Jeff was there and he watched you shoot your your lowest. No, no, round. no, I wasn't at the tournament. Or you watched it yeah. with your son, right? Yeah, Jim, Jim, uh, uh, we're talking about a specific date of August seventh, two thousand sixteen, uh, that we just wanted to talk about briefly. But I can tell you. My son and I spent a lot of time going around to minor league baseball games, and we were on our way to one, and we stopped at a restaurant for lunch, and you were on the 10th hole, and you were just having this incredible round of a lifetime, and we ended up saying just staying in the restaurant and watching the rest of the round. What was it like to shoot a 58? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty cool. A little bit of an out-of-body experience, but... uh it reminded me a lot. I, in 2013, I shot 59, and it was very similar in the fashion of shooting eight under on the first nine and kind of drawing a lot of attention and, and uh, trying to finish it off on the back. So uh, really just a, a cool experience, to be honest with you. It felt like uh, 
I started the round in 70th position, almost dead last for the guys that made the cut. You know, by the by the middle of the back nine, it was like trying to win a golf tournament. You know, uh, with TV cameras and fans, and uh, just a uh, you know a day you wake up and trying to catch the earliest flight out of town to get home, and uh, ended up being uh, you know the best round of my career. When when did you realize that you were having this special round and might be able to accomplish this? Somewhere uh, towards the end of the front nine. Uh, as I said, I shot eight under on the front, and that was par in the first hole. Um, so, you know, birdie on two, eagle on three, uh, birdie on four. And then I made birdies at six, seven, eight, nine. So, uh, really to that six, seven, eight, where everything seemed to be clicking, everything was going my way, putts going in, uh, you start getting the feeling a little bit of invincibility and, and, uh, start thinking that, Hey, this could be a real special day. What was the crowd's reaction as, as this you know news spread? Obviously, the buzz on the course grows. Could you hear the crowd reacting to what you were doing? Did they know? Yeah, in fact, you know when you tee off seventy, you know t seventy on Sunday at eight thirty in the morning, you know there's I've had a lot of folks say, "Hey, I was there for that round," and I was like, "Well, you probably weren't there for the whole round because <laughs> there's only about eight people on the first tee at that time." But as the day went on, as word got got out of what I was shooting. Uh, the crowd started to grow. So by the time I got to 18, it looked like, I mean, on both sides, yeah, I've seen aerial pictures now of, of that, uh, of the 18th green. And it, you know, it was pretty filled up. I mean, it looked like the end of a golf tournament on Sunday afternoon. That's because most of them would have shot a 58 or 59 on the front nine, let alone the whole, the whole <laughs> golf course. I, I can't tell you how many people that I talked to that Monday who's, who said exactly that to say, wow, Jim just shot a better score on 18 than I can shoot on nine. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it definitely. So it's pretty great to, to hear how you can recall everything about that day. It seems like it's one of those memories that just kind of stays with you. It doesn't really go away. I, I can recall most of the, most of the irons, uh, maybe not the yardages anymore, but, uh, what iron I hit, what club I hit, uh, where the pin was, uh, you know, it, it was uh, it was a special day, so you kind of recall most of those things. But that's that's what I do for a living as well. I mean, if we talked about you know your show at the end of the show, you'd probably recall a lot of the details and would go over things in your head. Maybe not. Maybe you wouldn't remember a darn thing about it. But Jeff tries I'm not guessing, to remember anything that I say I'm, before I'm during or after the remember show. most of it by the end of the day, <laughs> and and uh, you know just a, just a special round. So I won't forget much of that round for the rest of my life. Well, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on the show is because there's a special event coming up for, in golf, which is uh, September 26th through October 1st, is the President's Cup. and uh, Yeah, not, not far from where y'all are in Philly there. Uh, we'll be, we'll be there. Uh, at least I will. Right. I, I mean, I, I bought tickets, to, I think it was right when they came out a year ago, because, I mean, when you watch this on TV, it's, it, it's something special. I can't imagine what it was like, what it would be like to be there, so... It, you, well, it, you you've it, actually played in seven Presidents Cups, the the third most matches and wins in U.S. history. Uh, wow! What what is it like to to be a player on a Presidents Cup or a Riders Cup team? Yeah, it's really uh, it's just such a cool experience. It's as close as we'll ever get to say the Olympics. Uh, as a golfer, you don't get a chance often to, to represent your country to wear red, white, and blue. Uh, you know, I think one of the coolest moments is, you know, you, you get the gear in the mail, you get your golf bag in the mail, you kind of pull it out. and You got the American flag on the side, you see your name. It's a, it's a great experience. And it's one of the only times we really get an opportunity to, to make golf a team sport. 
right? Where, where we play against these guys all year, and then you, you band 12 of us as Americans together. Uh, what I think is so amazing about the event, I mean, you, you see more emotion from the players. You see guys that are usually stoic, pumping fists, screaming at the top of their lungs. You, you see the heartbreak. You see uh, the amazing thrill that it goes through. The fans get into it. There's so much of that uh, patriotism and uh, the USA chance. And uh, I expect, you know, Jersey City, New York area, I expect that to uh, to be crazy up there with uh, fans rooting for us on our home turf. That's what I like and, to uh, see, the emotion that, that you guys you have. Just, you leave the event with... Uh, you know, the first time I played in the Ryder Cup or a President's Cup, I left feeling like I had 11 really close friends on that team, you know, that we, we went through thick and thin together. And win or lose, uh, there's a common bond. And, and uh, I'm a lot better friends with many players on tour because of those events. Is there more pressure playing team golf for your country than, than there is being out on the course by yourself? You said it's one of the only times that you guys band together. Normally you're competing against each other. Can you tell us a little bit about the differences? Yeah, I think you get more nervous, to be honest with you. Uh, even in a major championship on Sunday, teeing off late, uh, you're nervous, you're tight, but really the whole scheme of things, you know, you're out there on the course by yourself. You send a young guy out and say the President's Cup, the Ryder Cup, a lot of times they get even more nervous. And, uh, you know, you feel like you're letting your country down or you feel like you're letting your teammates down if you don't play well. Uh, I think there's two ways to view it. I mean, you try to let those young guys know, I mean, we're all here for you. There's 11 of us. We realize you're nervous. We realize you're tight, but you got a lot of support. And you also have millions of people watching on TV. I mean, everyone's pulling for you. So if you can feed off of that, I think you you know, you know see guys even raise their games to a higher level and they play better. So, so this year, it's a little different for you. Instead of being a player, you're now an assistant captain, correct? Yep. Yeah, so, I have the ultimate front row seat for, uh, for four days. So, so, tell, so tell us how it's different. What, is, what, what does the captain do? in a tournament like this? I think you view things as a little differently. I, you know, it, but you evolve as a player. My first couple of President's Cup and Ryder Cups, it was a little bit of a whirlwind. I feel like the week went really fast. And, and as I you know, got a little more mature and older and played more events, it, things started to slow down. You start becoming a little bit of a captain on the golf course. You help, help your captains and assistants with uh, little things. You, you notice when a player's down or you notice uh, when – when someone needs a little, you know, pick me up and uh, you try to help the young guys on, on what to expect. Um, right now, I think, you know, Stricker, Steve Stricker is our captain and he has uh, Davis Love and myself, Tiger Woods and Freddie Couples. We'll, we'll follow each follow a group. We're kind of Steve's eyes and ears on the golf course. And, and uh, you know, I'll follow pretty much the same players uh, each and every day. So I get, you know, a good rapport with those folks, get an idea of how they're playing, how they're feeling, who they want to play with who they may want to match up with. That's part of the president's cup. You don't see in the Ryder cup is we get to kind of make the matchups. Uh, I'm guessing you won't tell us those now. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> we have a very good, di- good idea as an American team of who our players will be paired with, you know, might, maybe not set in stone, but we have a good idea going in how we may want to pair our players, how we exactly pair them up against the, uh, the international squad. That's, that's something we'll figure out. Uh, when we're there, I guess, you know, they'll be looking, both teams will be looking at maybe past, past records, who's played well against uh, other guys. Uh, but, but really, I think a lot of that's on the fly. Who's playing well at the time, what you think, you know, what, what strengths 
or weaknesses uh, a player may have for each golf course, and you're trying to try to get uh, matchups that uh, that you think will do well for your team. I think people are really looking forward to this. Before before we let you go, we just wanted to ask you briefly. I noticed that last year you won the Payne Stewart Award, and you spent you and your wife Tabitha spend a lot of time with your foundation, and I, we just wanted to give you the opportunity to. You know, because we like to talk about what athletes do and how they give back to the community. We wanted to just give you a chance to talk about your yeah. foundation. Well, that that award was very humbling. I think uh, it really hit me. Uh, Tabitha and I uh, were pretty good friends with Payne and, and uh, loved Tracy to death. She was there with her daughter. and um, Yeah, I, I, you know, it, it's nice to be recognized for for something off the golf course. That You know, Tabitha and I started our foundation in, in 2010, um we're really here our, our goal is in northeast florida to help families and children in need and um it, it's really been a blessing to, to to get to be a bigger part of our community to help folks in need and uh i got to give a lot of credit to my wife she runs the the foundation she uh you know she's kind of the heart and soul of it and, and the one that really uh kind of pushed the buttons to get things moving in 2010 and and uh it's been a lot of hard work but it's been a labor of love and and uh you know, we're happy to help folks here in, in Northeast Florida. Well, we'll have to get the information with you to share with our audience on Facebook and on our website. And we really appreciate you coming on. We wish you the best of luck keeping the President's Cup in the United States. And thanks so much. Good luck, Jim. Appreciate it. Yeah, if they want to come uh, take a look, it's the Jim and Tab of the Spirit Foundation.com. Perfect. Thanks so much. You have a great one and a great tournament. You too. I appreciate you all having me on. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. So you're going to go follow Jim Furyk around the golf course while he's watching people, right? I, I just can't imagine how exciting this is going to be. You have the Statue of Liberty literally in the background of this golf course. You have New York City there, and you are going to have the loudest. They said this is the first time that the Riders' Cup or the President's Cup has been in the metropolitan area in a long time. Just imagine how loud it's going to be there. I'm going to expect a full report from you on what you see when you come back. Oh, I can't wait. Thank you, everybody, for joining us this week on The Heart of Sports. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next week.